It's January 20, 20, January 20, 2021. And welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marsh Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. And of course, this week, uh, we'll jump right into our conversation about uh, digital equity. And I will uh, welcome my guest. I have Christina Higa. She is the co-director over at the Pacific Basin Telehealth Resource Center. And we also have Brad Bennett, who is a network coordinator over at Kua'uli, and David Miyashiro, executive director of the nonprofit Hawaii Kids Can. And they're here with me to talk about digital equity and eliminating the digital divide. And I want to welcome you all to Bite Marks Cafe. Thank Aloha, you. Bert. And uh, thanks for joining me. You know, this is a... Uh, we've spent the last uh, year doing our uh, sort of remote call-in, and, and appreciate you folks all joining me. Usually I would have you on the, in the studio, but uh, I still like the fact that I can have you call in. And, and Brad, I know you're on the big island, and, and uh, of course uh, David and, and uh, Christina are here on Oahu. But uh, Brad, maybe, maybe you can sort of kick it off and, and share a little bit about what uh, Kua'uli does. Yeah, thank you, Bert. Um yeah, so Kuli Digital Opportunities Initiative was a Hui that was formed uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. It was a coalition of uh, community leaders who came together uh, based on uh, a couple of us were media our fellows together. So we, we knew each other, we knew our, each other's work. Uh, and we wanted to make sure that our communities, um, our students especially, had access to computers and, and uh, so that they could access their digital education, right, because of the, you know, the chaos that surrounded the immediate, the first shutdown um, due to COVID. Uh, so, yeah, so we got together, we, for, we formed a, a group, we connected with uh, very generous donors, and since then we've expanded statewide, and we've donated about 500 devices across the state to families at no cost to them uh, in rural communities. Uh, we've, we're addressing students, but we've also moved to uh, provide devices to Kupuna as well uh, to allow them to access telehealth, digital, the digital economy, uh, government, governmental services uh, from from the safety of their homes. Basically. Mm-hmm. And how did you guys, uh, you know, kind of come to the realization that, given the fact that people were now, you know, sort of uh, sheltered at home, that they they lacked devices? I mean, was there something that really kind of popped out and said, hey, you know, there's a lot of people that don't even have computers. Yeah, you know, with the way the, the the first shutdown happened, everybody was caught by surprise. And I think a lot of the schools, uh, especially in our more rural areas, they weren't ready for the, the immediacy of the shutdown. So uh, we want, so a lot of the devices that students normally have access to at school weren't handed out. Uh, there wasn't really a protocol in place to how to, how for how to do that safely. Uh, so we, we wanted to make sure that, you know, we, we got them some devices that they could use at home that didn't belong to the school. Uh, and, and that you know they didn't they didn't have to rely on uh, you know going out and picking them up and then returning them and, and just kind of giving them a device where they could use it at home for education but the family could also use it to access you know again governmental services telehealth uh, you know do shopping whatever they need to do mm-hmm. uh, during the pandemic yeah. and and uh, since you mentioned telehealth uh, Christina I know we uh, we've had you on before but uh, kind of give people a sense of what the uh, organization that you head up, uh, the Pacific uh, Basin Telehealth Resource Center, does. Sure. 
Sarah, thank you for, and thanks for having me back on. Uh, BBTRC is the Pacific Basin Telehealth Resource Center, and we're based at the University of Hawaii. We're actually one of 14 federally funded resource centers in the country, and our center covers the state of Hawaii, as well as the Pacific Island territories and the Pacific Islands in the three associated states. So that's Federated States of Micronesia, Republic of Palau, Republic of the Marshall Islands. And um, so we're funded for providing healthcare providers and more increasingly now uh, patients and families technical assistance support to advance telehealth. And, you know, that can be everything from, you know, tracking policy, business models, to workflow, to equipment selection, and, and practice guidelines. So it's kind of the full spectrum of telehealth support. And, and you know, during this uh, pandemic, I mean, it became pretty clear uh, from the the standpoint of, you know, delivering the application of telehealth is, is uh, you know, first and foremost, but then, like like Brad realizing that, you know, perhaps people don't have computers and people maybe maybe aren't connected. I mean, uh, that was probably a, a similar kind of realization from a from a telehealth standpoint. Absolutely, you know, um, we had about only twenty percent adoption of providers using telehealth before the pandemic, and right now, I mean, if you just think of yourself, you you think of your family members, how many people have actually seen uh, their healthcare provider over telehealth? Now, it's it's almost all providers had were forced to really with the public health um, emergency measures, right? With the social distancing and stay at home orders, people had to be forced to change the way of providing healthcare. And that was done through delivery, through video conferencing, and sometimes even telephone. Um, and so it was a really rapid transfer for a lot of the healthcare providers. And as they started to, you know, change their web systems. Uh, it was technology, it was protocols, workflows. We, we had asked, you know, what was the experience like? And in most part, a lot of people liked the convenience of it. They found it efficient. But the biggest complaint was it worked if there's the broadband connectivity, right, mm-hmm. um, in, in the patient's home. Because a lot of this is not, not only direct, not to the clinics, but actually direct to the consumer in their homes or wherever they may be. Um, so you don't have a lot of control over that, right, Where, the connectivity. But not only that, and I think you're going to talk a lot about that on this show when we talk about digital equity. It wasn't only that. It was the literacy piece, too. So a lot of the docs are saying, oh, gosh, you know, they may have had good connectivity support person for patients, right, trying to walk through how to connect up to the platform. So that became very clear that telehealth, broadband, uh, infrastructure, access, and literacy all kind of uh, were fundamental. You need you need, you need need broadband to have success with telehealth. Right, right. I mean, it's not just a matter of access. I mean, there's definitely uh, the issue of, of literacy. And, and if even if you have the technology, are you able to, to use it? And, and, and David, you know, from an education standpoint, I mean, you were probably in the same situation when the, you know, the uh, shutdown order came, came to everybody. And realizing that uh, all the kids were now staying at home. And I think you were one of the pioneers uh, in deploying something called Wi-Fi on wheels. And uh, I, I really admire the fact that, uh, you know, you saw that happening and, and wanted to make it happen here in Hawaii as well. Yeah, thanks, Bert. And, and it's good to be back. I uh, really always love being on this show and, and the thoughtful conversations. You know, Hawaii Kids Can is an organization that started about three and a half years ago, um, really to focus and advocate for 
high-quality educational opportunities for all kids in Hawaii um, because education is the foundation for our state and our society, right? So if we don't have an equitable and a fair education system where every kid has the same uh, opportunity to succeed, then you're going to see those same divisions happen in our state. Um, and I think what is so troubling is that when you've seen our broader state move to distance learning, because not every kid had access to home internet or even a safe place at home where they could log in uh, you know, and really have that high-speed quality experience, you're seeing, I think, you know, not just in Hawaii, but across the nation, really what um, you know, President Biden has called a K-shaped recovery, at least when he's talking about um, economics. So what you see is that for some kids who have those devices, they have reliable home internet, they have a quiet place at home where they can log in and learn, they're doing okay. You know, it may not be ideal, but they're doing okay. And then for those kids who have to, you know, go and log into, um, you know, sit in the parking lot of Starbucks or McDonald's just to get internet. I mean, that's why we started Wi-Fi on Wheels is we just thought, you know, we, we've got to do something. You know, even if we can't reach every kid, we've got to do something because, you know, it's unacceptable to see, you know, these different opportunities happen um, at such a dramatic scale. Yeah, right. And and uh, uh, in terms of um, trying to address the the multitude of challenges, you know, whether it's access or literacy, I, I do want to kind of pick your folks' brains on, on how do we sort of surgically approach, you know, the, the challenge, because it's not one thing that's going to address uh, the entire population. There's going to be uh, pockets that that uh, have issues, you know, around access, or pockets that have issues around literacy, and how might we go about uh, addressing some of that? So we'll hold that thought. We'll be right back at this short short break to continue our conversation with Christina Higa from PBTRC and Brad Bennett from Kuauuli and David Miyashiro from Hawaii Kids Can, and we're talking about eliminating digital inequity. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Shamanad University and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, and if you're just joining us, we're talking to Christina Higa from PBTRC and Brad Bennett from Kuauuli Digital Opportunities. And, of course, uh, David Miyashiro from Hawaii Kids Can. We're talking about digital equity. And right before the break, you know, we were sort of getting into some of the different aspects of of digital equity. And part of it is is access. And, and of course, uh, there's literacy. And there's, you know, the issue of, of technology that is the enabler to get access to uh, these resources. And, and how do we address, you know, the different uh, facets of of uh, bringing somebody up to speed, and maybe maybe what we'll do is um, talk first about uh, the the access issue, and, and maybe Brad, uh, you know, from a, from an access standpoint, I mean, how do you how do you envision uh, perhaps tackling the issue of of where internet uh, perhaps doesn't exist, and and how do we uh, apply resources to address infrastructure in, in those particular areas? Yeah, no, and you. I think when we started the uh, work with Kuli, uh we were very focused on getting devices out to to people mm-hmm. and making sure that you know um, the devices were in place. But we soon realized that without reliable broadband access, right, you know, we, we were just basically handing out doorstops. 
if you can't connect to the internet, uh, they weren't going to be able to access these services. So, you know, I, I think one of the ways that that, that we realized that we, that this can be addressed is through partnerships. Uh, we're very fortunate to be a part of the state broadband hui, uh, and I think by you know gathering all you know, it's a very large group, but by gathering everybody together and partnering with uh, with other organizations, we 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 have partnered with David. And Hawaii Kids can. We're we're looking at partnering with Christina uh, on some um, you know some some mapping, some broadband mapping uh, projects. So I, I think by by us being able to come together, meet together, coordinate, um, and really support each other in, in in addressing the access issues is a very important way of us addressing the fact that you know, or at least trying to get service to to those who need it. No, that's great, and I'm glad you brought up mapping because uh, uh, one of the things that really helps to identify uh, where, you know, infrastructure should get deployed to is, is obviously, you know, where geographically do these services not exist? And, and, and maybe, Christina, I know, I know it's sort of early in the, in the discussion of uh, how do we go about uh, determining, you know, those locations, but in, in terms of a mapping project, I mean, what, what do you envision having to take place uh, obviously you know there's got to be people that go out there and gather data and and maybe you can share a little bit about what uh, what you and brad are talking about okay thanks yeah you know um in our broadband hui which is a multi-sector you know uh group of people that meet regularly every week um you know uh, we're, we're thankful for Bert, um, you know, because he really convenes all of us. And, we and, and Christina, see, thanks. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, at least I, for, for, from, a, from a full disclosure, I must add that I, I am a part of the broadband hui, so uh, I'll just disclose that. But go ahead, uh, continue, Christina. Yeah, sorry. I just wanted to acknowledge that because a lot of um, the work through this broadband hui, which is it's really multi-sector, right? I mean, look at just representing on this call, that's just a small part where it's education, healthcare, telecom carriers. There's there's a lot of, there's government, uh, there's commerce. And so there's a lot of the initiative, um, even for trying to identify very clearly where do we need the infrastructure investments, right? Um, and so a lot of times we're asked that question and people want to see a map that shows, you know, Here's where there's really good connectivity, and here's the gap areas. But it's not easy to get that information. So there's um, many mapping initiatives, and the HUI has been looking at that. Um, but but as a kind of a, a strategic kind of logistics way of looking at it, um, we were looking at partnering actually even with Brad's group at, at the you know kind of grassroots community level of doing like a survey, almost like a census, down to the level of households, you know, so that we can understand really clearly if you may have a broadband plan, you may be paying so much for it, but the actual throughput and the connectivity of what you're getting is not really a good reflection of, of, uh, you know, can you actually stay connected to your video conference call for your distance learning class or your telehealth session. So um, to get to that granularity of data, we're really looking at some models that have been done in other places. And that is really working with the community to help us fill out these maps and the databases to figure out where 
the gaps are or where there's reliability issues and the cost differentiating, maybe, if that's the case. Um, and I wanted to just put something out there. Um, Hawaii's not involved in this, but the federal government recognizes mapping broadband mapping for telehealth as a high priority, and they just announced two weeks ago that they're funding our telehealth resource center that's um, focused on technology. It's a national resource center. They're giving them $6 million for three years to map uh, broadband in three states. And the, unfortunately, Hawaii is not one of them. It's Michigan, Texas, and West Virginia. But I just wanted to say that because, you know, at the national level, it's recognized that, that there's some benefit for understanding where your connectivity is because then you can figure out where to apply the resources at prior, as in priorities, right? Well, you know, when you say some benefit, I think there's a lot of benefit to that. And, right. and, and I, I, I would ask, uh, are there ways that you could, I know they've already selected the cities, but is, are there ways to get some of the best practices and understand what could be potentially translated for, for use or deployment here in Hawaii? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that there's going to be a lot of lessons learned um, in terms of what kind of questions, what kind of they ask. Um, what kind of data they're collecting, how do they store the data. But I think that, um, you know, the project that we're talking about in the broadband hui, it will continue on because we're making sure that whatever um, database, you know, the, the data is stored in, it's something that can export to other systems. So we're not, you know, tied into saying, okay, we need to figure out our exact system that we're putting all the data in right now, and that's what we're going to end up with. So I'm actually thinking that it's good to start with a small pilot, a mm-hmm. small community here in Hawaii. And I think that that big project might have some lessons learned from our grassroots initiative because we've been thinking about this for, what, uh, a year almost now mm-hmm. during the pandemic, right, and talking about it. So I actually think we are going to be able to inform that big project on some lessons learned in, ter- in terms of crowdsourcing uh, data at the grassroots level. No, and, and you bring up a great point. And, you know, when when uh, you rely on others for, you know, getting the data, you, you oftentimes have to kind of just wait and see if their, if their data will result in something that's informative for any kind of decision-making on our side. But And that's what the, the, the challenge with sort of waiting for some of the FCC data that hasn't resulted in the kind of detail that we need. And so we have to, end, you know, we have to really kind of resort to the grassroots effort uh, to um, to get more resolution, you know, on those data data points, and and I'm 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 happy to hear you, you know, working with Brad to come up with a, a program to get uh, you know some of these pilots uh, spun up because I think you know the sooner we do that, the sooner we can show people that uh, you know we have some actual uh, sites to to consider for um, you know infrastructure deployment. And so the next thing I did want to talk about is is the the issue of of literacy, and I think. Uh, literacy could be also fed into some of this data that could reveal, you know, where the best places to perhaps deploy uh, some form of uh, digital literacy program. Uh, But I do want to kind of hold that thought. We're up for another break, and we'll be back after this uh, short break to continue our conversation with Christina Higa from PBTRC, Brad Bennett from Kua'uli, and David Miyashiro from Hawaii Kids Can. And, of course, we're talking about building a more digitally capable Hawaii. 
Support for Bike Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, Bavarian Motor Experts, and Hawaii Naturopathic Retreat Center. Welcome back. This is Bike Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, and if you're just joining me, we're talking to Christina Higa from PBTRC and Brad Bennett from Kuauuli and David Miyashiro from Hawaii Kid Can. And we're talking about digital equity for all of Hawaii. And right before the break, we we're talking about data gathering and, and, and having the, the kind of a grassroots effort to determine, you know, from a, at least from a uh, pilot standpoint, you know, where are some of these areas that may uh, warrant uh, deployment of, of infrastructure. But Infrastructure and access is one aspect of uh, the digital equity piece of the, the equation, but literacy is another piece of it as well. And, and David, I, I kind of wanted to uh, maybe uh, tap your uh, brain on, on what you see as um, digital literacy and, and how would we assess kind of a digital literacy, uh, let's say, foundation. Where are we at this stage of the game? And and I know you're you're heavily involved with computer science and education. How do we kind of measure ourselves as we move along and, and get more people up to speed with uh, with respect to digital literacy and, and just being more computer literate? You know, Bert, I think when we look back at 2020 and this past year, it's undeniable that this was an inflection point in our state's history or a wake-up call, if you want to look at it that way. Um, I think it was clear not every person in our community and not every child in our community um, has that access to digital um, you know, literacy or digital opportunities. And so one of the things that I'm really hopeful for is through the work of the Broadband Hui, um, which Christina has mentioned, uh, there is a really great effort underway um, to develop this set of goals uh, through a declaration of, you know, if last year was our wake-up call, this year is about setting clear-eyed goals and a path forward so we can actually get this done, right? So we can see how many folks in our community need that support and what's the plan to get there. So for anybody listening who's interested, go to broadbandhui.org and you'll see that declaration. You'll see the goals right there. You know, there are three-year goals, five-year goals, 10-year goals. Um, And I think you'll see, yes, they're ambitious, but we're also realistic that we can get this done, and we have to do this now. This is an opportunity that um, I think we will look back with great regret if we don't capitalize to really make change. So when you think about something like digital literacy, part of it is the conversation. That's more than just something wonky, right? Literacy, I think, is most people don't really understand, you know, what that what that what phrase means. You don't use that every day. But digital livelihoods, I think, really resonates more. Right? So if you think about the legislative session that kicks off this week, um, a digital, digital livelihood is civic engagement so that folks can testify via remote testimony um, on Zoom, which I think is fantastic. For far too long, uh, so many of our community members have not been able to take part of that process, uh, you know, at least through testimony, because they don't live anywhere near downtown Honolulu or they can't take the time off to, to actually um, go in and testify. Similarly, if we think about the skills that our that our community members need and our kids need, you know, are we ensuring that every kid has some sort of computer science experience or some kind of digital literacy knowledge, so that they can, you know, access a computer with uh, confidence 
but also be able to use it in a way that they can, uh, you know, dig through uh, some of the negative and some of the misleading information out there and think critically, right? These are such important things for our state and society um, that I'm really hopeful. I think, I think digital literacy is here to stay, and I encourage folks to go to broadbandhui.org uh, to really look at all those goals. That's that's great, and thanks for sharing the uh, URL. You know, Brad, from and you're on a big island, and you know it's uh, it's kind of a, a rural rural community. I mean, especially compared to you know us on our seven lane freeways here on on Oahu. Uh, but in terms of what David just said, uh, the idea of of livelihood and and digital livelihood, uh, you know, do you see how I mean, especially in the communities that you work work with. Uh, the reliance on on this technology that uh, this is becoming part of their everyday livelihood. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, you, I, I think if you if you look at you know how the how the economy is shaped as people try to recover from uh, you know what happened during the pandemic, uh, people are relying very heavily on on broadband access and the internet and and and, and, and the digital economy and and you know becoming entrepreneurs. Uh, there are there are people who are who are moving to Hawaii to participate in remote work and to become part of our communities here, not just on Hawaii Island but but elsewhere. So so yeah, so definitely you know there's a shift, right? And we always hear the term the new normal, which you know you, you can take that for what it's worth. But I, I do strongly believe, based on the work we've done and and, and on and all the the, the the discussions we've had, is even after you know. COVID is, is not such an issue. There, I don't believe that there, we are going to go back to what, what everybody thought of as normal before. Uh, there will still be a strong reliance on uh, utilizing, um, you know, util, utilizing services online uh, and being able to access governmental services. And, and, and like David mentioned, you know, being able to participate in the, in the, in the civic, the gov- governmental civic process. So, yeah, no, definitely. Well, you know, I, I think sometimes it becomes a little more important in rural areas because they have they don't necessarily have the physical access or the ability to get to uh, places that provide services. So, yeah, definitely, uh, this is something that's going to be a real huge part of life in uh, on the neighbor islands and our rural areas. Thanks, and you know, I, I uh, also try to kind of promote this idea of the uh, democratization of technology, and and as technology rolls out, I mean, it should be available to to everyone, uh, regardless of whether you're in the center of a, an urban area like Honolulu or you know out in uh, the neighbor islands. Now, now, Christina, you know, in terms of telehealth, I I I, I think you probably agree that. Uh, you know, it may not all be 100% telehealth uh, after the post-pandemic, but uh, it's definitely going to be a blended kind of environment, and there's definitely going to be a, a need for everybody to, from from providers as well as uh, patients, to be up to speed on the the capability. Yes, that's right. I don't think we're going to ever go back to just having only in-person. It'll probably be a hybrid, like you say, with some telehealth and some in-person. But when we talk about digital literacy for healthcare, it's kind of like the know-how, how to use the technology from the providers and to do telehealth, but also from the patients and families. And so I just wanted to mention one one thing in terms of a strategy. You know, technology is kind of multi-generational, right? The younger folks in this case are a little bit more savvy, right? So yeah, we yeah. have some great projects I wanted to mention in Molokai High School. 
um, with the AHEC program there, and they have the high school students actually providing digital literacy for healthcare classes for the Kupuna. So they're teaching them how to log on to their telehealth platforms, how to use a computer, and all of that. And I think that that well, you know, Christina, you know, I, you're you're setting me up for another interview with you for us to talk about what's happening on Molokai. So you know, be prepared for a call, and I'll have you back on, and we'll talk more about that. Of course, uh, Christina Higa, she's the co-director over at PBTRC. Brad Bennett. He's the uh, network coordinator from uh, Kua Uli and David Miyashiro, executive director of Hawaii Kids Can. And, of course, I want to thank you all for joining us today. Thank you for listening to Bite Marsh Cafe. Join us next week when we'll find out more about a program called Tech Bridges. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chong, and you can find us on HPR One every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app, iTunes, Google, Podcasts, and Stitcher. You stay safe, stay awesome. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Thank you.